going to sit down. Sit down, Dandela. I love you guys so much. This is, this is family. I love being with you and having fun with you and hugging with you and sharing, sharing like some of the hard stuff. And it's, uh, the Bible says to, to weep and mourn with those who are doing those things and to celebrate when it's time to celebrate. And we've had the opportunity to do all of those things with you all in different ways. And so I'm so glad you're my family. I am so, so glad you're my family. I love you all. I love you all. Oh, thank you. I don't know who said that, but I'm sure it was from the whole room. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we've been, we've been in kind of a, a, a mode series of talking about learning how to hear God's voice, how to just increase our ability, our capacity um, to hear him, hear what he's telling us, hear what he's saying to us in long term, but in the moments as well, but just kind of opening up to hear. And there's so many great reasons to do that, but we're, gonna, we're getting ready to enter into a series talking about lessons in the life of Joseph. And the reason for this series is that the listening to God's voice is primarily so he can lead us and guide us in what he's calling us each to individually in our own lives. Um, if you look at the life of Joseph, he spent a lot of years between the time that he very clearly had a dream that God placed in his heart through a dream to the time that he was fulfilling what God had him to do in the earth. We'll talk a, a lot about that later. I do encourage you, though, this is homework. Anybody take out your homework pad? Did anybody do that when you were in school? This was, I didn't have, like, I'm, like, old school. I'm old. You guys maybe don't realize it. I'm old. We didn't have computer stuff. I had a little spiral notepad that I wrote all my assignments in. I wrote them down for the different classes for a different week. Julie says she did it too, didn't you, Julie? That's right. She, she's still doing. Julie's still writing. But um, so if you would look at Genesis chapters 37 to 47, it goes through just a, a description of the life of Joseph. I hesitate on using the words characters because then you think of like a movie or a play or like a not real. Joseph was a real person who went through real things, who had ups and downs as he was representing, representing for us um, ways to go through life and listen to God to bring you to the dreams and the destiny that he's called you to. So let me start by saying that without exception, Without any exception to anybody in any pew in this place, God has a wonderful plan for your life. I'm going to say it again because what happens in life is that stuff happens, we do stuff, things come into our lives that are just real and tangible and sometimes difficult, and we think that we may have circumvented or, or things may have happened to keep us from the plan and the destiny that God has for us. And that's a lie of the enemy. Because God has a plan and a destiny. He's filled every single one of us with a dream, with something that, honestly, over the years, sometimes this stuff gets buried, but he wants to bring it all to life again. 
He's filled it with a, fills us with, with a dream and a destiny before we were even born. Oh, my goodness. Jeremiah 1.5. You guys have scriptures for me? I think I sent some scriptures. Jeremiah 1.5, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. What? So we all know how it works, right? We're all adults here, like egg and sperm. We go, okay, let me beat them. Come together. Before any of that happened, before you were formed, he knew you and had a plan for your life. Now this, he's talking about Jeremiah here. He said, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So he's telling Jeremiah, before your mom and dad got together, I'm, I was calling you to be a prophet to the nation. Nations, nations. So I say this to you. I don't know who in here may have been called to be a prophet to the nations. I won't say yay or nay. But before you were formed, God called you to be and do something significant for him. Something. And that significant doesn't mean standing in front of 5,000 people doing a sermon. That significant may be you one-on-one -on -one in someone's life to create a destiny for that person that affects 5,000, 10,000, 1 million people. But that means that you're a cog or a piece in that puzzle that's not complete without you being there. There's something that he's called you to there where something is not complete without your part being played in it. Do you believe that? You be oh, I love that. That's what a great response. So here's the kicker. You want the, that, that was the good news. You want the, uh, this isn't bad news. This is, <laughs> this is the other news. There are going to be tests that we have to pass. So I mentioned the life of Joseph, right? Once again, if you go back and read 37 to 47 in Genesis, and you may be familiar with the story, Joseph had a dream, literal dream, where he saw, he had a few dreams, where he saw his brothers and his parents in a symbolic way bowing down to him. Now, God gave him that dream. He really didn't mean for him to do what he did with the dream and go bragging to his brothers who didn't like him anyway about the dream. But that God did put a vision and a dream in Joseph. It was real it was from God. Didn't interpret it well at that point, but that was because he needed to go through a process of growth and understanding and character building in order for him to do what God called him to do. Here's what Psalm, and I don't know if I gave you guys the scripture, but you guys, you can write it down and look at it later. Psalm 105, verses 17 to 19. Psalm 105, 17 to 19. Now, the, you know, it's Genesis that talks about Joseph, but here's an a excerpt that talks about him in the Psalms. It says, then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, talking about the, the, the Hebrews, the children of Israel. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams the Lord tested Joseph's character. Till the time came for him to fulfill what God had already put in him, the Lord tested Joseph's character. 
is a teacher who I love. I listen to him. I just subscribe, subscribe to his YouTube channel. You know how you just find people that you like to listen to, that you can, when they speak, like you can just, and there's so many, so many, so many various kinds and styles of teaching. But there's some people just appeal to you. Can, you can hear them just because of how they're saying what they say. Well, there's a teacher, Robert Morris, and he's like that for me. There's a quote for him. He said, it's God's grace that doesn't put you in the destiny before you're ready to fulfill the destiny because you would fall. He wants your character to be big enough to support the destiny. So here's the line. Character grows in the test. I don't like taking tests. Uh, junior high, high school, college, not a great test taker. SAT time came, I don't know if you guys ever, I still remember, it's many years ago, traumatic time. I hate taking tests. I'm not great at them. I passed a bunch of them because I studied really hard. And then there's those of us in the room who just like got the A's all the time. I don't like you. I don't like you at all. I'm joking because if you studied and if you did well, praise God, because you were doing the right thing when some of us <laughs> weren't. Um, character grows in the test. Take Moses, for example. We're all familiar probably with the story of Moses. He, he grew up in the house of Pharaoh, but he knew. He knew he was a Hebrew. And at one point, he just went and spent some time with them, and his heart was just, it. his heart was wrecked because of what he saw his people going through. So he knew there was something in his heart where he was supposed to help his people. He, didn't, he obviously didn't know how. He didn't know what was going on, but he, he felt something when he saw what was going on with his people. He, got, he had a dream to take care of them. Now, unfortunately, at that time, it ended up in him committing murder because he was trying to protect, protect one of his people. He ended up fleeing into the wilderness, and for 40 years, for 40 years, he was in the desert tending sheep. God needed to do a deep inner work, a deep inner work in Moses. Now, I don't know if he wants to spend 40 years on us. And I don't know. Maybe it's five years. I'm not giving a time limit. What I'm saying is that there is an inner work that God has to do in each one of us. Um, there's nobody that comes out ready. There's nobody that, come, that grows up and, and you know, gets to the point where there's nobody. Everybody is developing. Everybody has something in them that needs to be grown and but we have the seed in us. When you accept Jesus Christ, every seed that needs to be in you to do what you're called to do is in you already. It's in you already. But God needs to do that deep inner work. Solomon. Solomon was given a choice. Now, how many of us, and just, just be honest, don't want any hands, don't want any answers, but just be honest with yourself. How hard would you have to think if someone said to you, if God said to you, not just someone, God who has the power to do absolutely anything, said to you, I will give you whatever you want. Whatever you want, it's yours. Just ask me, and I'll give it to you. I think a little bit about that. I'm like, hmm, got a lot of 
people I want to help. I've got some bills I need to pay. I've got, you know, there, there's the first thing that Moses asked for. He passed a major test. The first thing he asked for is give me a, a wise and understanding heart so that I can take care of your people. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't know what he, had to, what he had to get through to get to that point, but he passed that test real good. He had the most prosperous and peaceful reign of any king, of any king over Israel. But it was because of the test that he passed. There's only one person that never failed any test. Who was that? Jesus. If you remember the scripture, I don't know the, the address right now, but I know it's in there. As he is, so are we in this, in this world, not in the world to come, in this world. So do we have the ability to pass the tests to take us to the destiny and the dreams where God's called us? Resounding Yes, resounding yes. So like I said, over the next few weeks, we're going to be examining the, the life of Joseph's, Joseph. And I'm just going to give a, a, a brief um, introduction, if you will, today in the test taking and passing those tests and what it looks like and just helping us to understand um, what we need to understand so that we can be refined if you will, um, for God to reveal things in us and refine like gold. We've probably all heard the example that gold gets heated up really, really hot. But all the bad stuff comes to the surface and you get to wipe it away so you get beautiful, pure gold. I want to be beautiful, pure gold for God. I want to be, it's in there, but there's some stuff that <laughs> needs to be burned off. Hallelujah. So I want to share with you four things today, four points that will help us to understand the test process that God is taking all of us through to get to our destiny. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plan. Some of you can probably recite this by heart because we say it to ourselves but I just want to make it really clear. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Anybody believe God is good? Always good? Can only do good? That means the plan in the future he has for your life is good. It's good, and it can't be anything else. You have a dream and a promise in your heart and a destiny God wants to fulfill. Here's some important things to understand about that, though, that dream and that destiny that he has for you. If you look at all the examples that I mentioned, Moses, Solomon, and even Joseph, who is our, our example that we're going to be sticking with for the next few weeks. Even Joseph, God's dreams and destiny. We've talked about this before, but I want to just drive it home. God's dreams and destiny will always involve serving others in some way. So it's not like God doesn't want us, desire us, give us amazing things 
Like, I, I love my family. I love my home. I love my dogs. Have I said that before? I love my dogs. I'm going to bring a picture of them one day and put it up on the screen. Because they're my kids now. My other ones won't let me take care of them that way. So I needed dogs. I mean, I, lo I love the stuff. I do. I love going on vacation. Um, I really like traveling. Anybody want to, like, go away to Montego Bay with me next year? Let's make some plans. Um, I, <laughs> I see hands waving. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, just, I love the stuff. But I have, to, I have to realize that the stuff is temporary, that it's, um, it's dressing, if you will. It's icing for the purpose that God has for me. It has to involve others, and I'll be pretty strong about this. If it doesn't involve others, it probably is not God's plan and destiny for your life. So this is just my own conviction. I, I don't know if you can actually find it chapter and verse in the Bible. But I believe that if God just wanted us, which he does, he is mad crazy about every one of us. I mean, just crazy in love with us. But if he just wanted us, I think he could save us and take us home. Like, I just want you. And so, boop, here, come home with me. So why does he leave us all here? I think he leaves us all here to be his body, to help others join the body. There is something in us individually and as a family and as a body where we're called to draw everyone who's been cursed by the curse, which is everybody on the planet, back into his kingdom and into his plan. So should we not spend our lives trying to, to um, refine or have him refine us so that we can, how many of you want to leave anybody here when you go? Is there anybody, even someone may, who may have done the worst to you, do you want them left behind? I don't. I don't. We can't even imagine what it's like. We can't imagine heaven either, but we know that's where we want to go. So keep in mind that your dream and your destiny is always going to involve serving others, and that serving others is always going to be to draw them to the love and to the kingdom it with God. So that's the first point. There is a dream and a destiny for your life. Number two. There will be a test. Can't dodge them. <laughs> you can't get somebody else to take it for you. I was watching a TV show, and this guy was really, really smart. He's like super smart. And people were paying him thousands of dollars to go and take tests for them. This is before all the electronics and identification stuff we have now. I couldn't get away with it. But nobody can take the tests for you. And if they do, if something happens where you dodge the test, <laughs> It's coming back again. That's another point. We'll wait till we get there. But there will be a test. I think it's important to point out that there's a difference between God's test and temptation. There's a difference between God's test and temptation. Let me give you an example of the difference. Lot. Anybody remember Lot, Abram's nephew? So Abram went out into the, he's going into the land, God said, God said go, I'll, I'll show you where to go. He took his, his, took his nephew Lot with him, 
wonderful relationship. Both prospered. They grew. There's flocks. There are herds. There, there, the people grew, but it just grew too much for the space that they were in. And Abraham said, you know, it's probably wise. I love you. You know, we're not separating relationship, but it's probably wise if we spread out. Because, you know, our people aren't getting along, and it's just, it's too much. We need to spread out. And so pick wherever you want to go. Whichever way you go, I'll, I'll go the other way. Lot set up his tents outside of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was very clear what that city was and what it looked like. He intentionally put himself in the way of temptation. In chapter 13, he said, it said he set up his tents outside of the walls of Sodom. By chapter 14, he was living inside. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of us, and I'll, I will raise my hand just for you, have sometimes put yourself in the way of, of temptation, of something that you know may change your course or draw you away from where you know you're supposed to be going. Look, I'm being transparent. Y'all don't tell nobody. Turn off the camera. Um, <laughs> James 1, chapters 14 15. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when the sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And how many know Lot's end? You guys remember the story? He lived in Sodom. He actually had the opportunity to escape, but he, his wife, his kids, his daughters, they stayed, and eventually Abraham interceded for him, and he, his wife and kids got out. He lost his wife because she couldn't pull herself away from the draw of what was in those cities. He lost so much. God did not test Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot tempted himself. James 1.13 says, James chapter 1, verse 13. I'm, leaving, I'm reading this from the Passion Translation. It says, when you're tempted, don't ever say, God is tempting me. For God is incapable of being tempted by evil, and he is never the source of temptation. So if you're in a place where you're in front of something that is I think that the pivotal word here is evil, not like God, and you are in front of that, God's going to give you the opportunity to make a choice to move away from that. Isn't God awesome that he gives us choices? He gives us the ability. That's one of the like major wonderful things about salvation. Before salvation, you think you have a choice, but you don't. After salvation, you really do get a choice. He says, I set before you life and death, blessing, cursing. Choose life. Like, you have the ability now. Before you really couldn't, he didn't set all that before you. You don't have life and death. You have only the death. We don't want that. We don't need that. We don't have to have that. We have the choice. Set before you life and death. He says, choose life. 
Don't put yourself in the way of temptation. If you were, and I'll use an, ex, an extreme kind of example, but just take this for your, your own heart and your own life. If you were um, an alcoholic, God is probably not going to save you and then have you have a bar ministry. Probably not. There's always odd cases out where God will use people to, but in general, he's not going to put you in a place where you can be tempted by the very thing that had you in its clutches. He loves you too much. And we have the ability to say no to those places and those things of temptation. He built us. He knows every inch of us. So let's not put ourselves, let's decipher the difference between a test and a temptation. And like the scripture says, choose life. Choose the way, even if it's a test, even if it's hard. If it's a test, you can pass it. You can pass it. So the other thing about the test, sometimes our response to the test determines how long it lasts and whether it's going to come around again. Um, before I go any further, this I wanted. I, I heard this actually in a, a lesson that I was listening to in the Bible app, and it just really struck me that sometimes how long it lasts de determines is determined by how we handle it. And so I want to give you quick, quick, quick seven things to avoid that will delay your process. God has you in a process. I'm going to give you seven quick things. And this wasn't in my notes, and so I'm going to go through them quick because there's seven. Number one, avoid despair. Just because something has taken a while doesn't mean that God's forgotten. Have you ever sent somebody a, a text and you don't get an answer back? And you're like, man, did I do something? Um, do they not like me? Um, do they forget about me? Um, we normally don't think, oh, maybe they didn't see it or they're too busy. We don't think those things. We, we go, our brains go to, like, the worst stuff. I had that example happen with a lady. I was texting her about something important that was going on, and she texted me back, and I did not see the text. I did not get the text. So later on, I saw, I saw her about a week later, and she said, didn't you get my text? And I'm like, oh, God, did I miss another one? I'm trying to do better. And I looked at her phone, and she showed, we compared each other's phone, and what she sent did not come through. It was not on my phone. But she was under the assumption that I just didn't answer her or maybe didn't think enough of her to take the few minutes to answer, what, whatever she was thinking. It wasn't the good things. So I say that to you um, about God. Avoid despair because you haven't heard yet. Because it's God, and he's going to answer you. So don't assume that there's something wrong because he didn't. And don't despair and assume that there's something wrong because God hasn't forgotten you. You'll never forget. Avoid comparing, number two, avoid comparing your journey to others. You cannot compare yourself to anyone else. Isn't it amazing how God, how, I don't know how many people in this room, 50, 60? There are 50, 60 individual Things, people, wirings, things that you're called to do, ways that you're called to be. 
like nobody else. Do not compare yourself. You're not better and you're not worse. You're you. You're you, and that's more than enough. Just you is more than enough because you're who God made you to be. Isn't that amazing? We are all so wonderfully unique. Okay, avoid impatience. Um, you ever wait in a supermarket line? Does it feel like you always pick the wrong one? <laughs> when you're in a hurry, you're in the one where somebody's paying with pennies? Um, or you're waiting for some ice cream or water ice down the street. The line is so long, you're like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to get it? Look, they're eating theirs. It looks so good. Look, God's got impeccable timing. He has got impeccable timing, so don't be impatient. He's coming. He promised he's coming. Avoid doubt. Avoid doubt. What do you think the children of Israel felt like when they were trying to escape Pharaoh's army behind them and all they saw was a big old sea in front of them? Who could have thought what was going to happen happened? So had, they were relying on what they knew. So let's not rely on what we know and doubt what God can do. He can do amazing things. He can part a Red Sea. We've talked about this many times, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Or avoid grumbling and complaining. Complaining is food for the demonic. They wait for you to start complaining, and they show up with other stuff. It's like, hey, I heard that. Complain about the weather? Okay. So easy to do because everybody wants to get in that vein and complain about something. Oh, it's raining today. Oh, we didn't get enough rain. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, it's too cold. Somebody's complaining. Don't complain. Take where you are and say, thank you, Lord. Wherever it is, whatever it is, don't come. And even if some things go on in your head, at least don't let it come out of your mouth. But don't let it dwell in your heart and your mind. Avoid complaining. Avoid making hasty decisions. Do not make hasty, quick decisions, especially in emotional times. Wisdom says, pause, reflect, talk to the Holy Spirit, get some counsel. Any bakers in here, people who bake cakes, or ever seen a cake? Have you ever baked a cake? Oh, my goodness. I saw one hand. Okay, we got bakers. Thank you. You get impatient because you want the cake, or maybe you're in a hurry, and you pull it out, but it's not ready yet, and it's all gooey in the middle, and just because you were impatient at taking it out. Don't rush it. Don't make hasty decisions. When you're baking a cake, you wait a while, you wait a while, you wait the prescribed time, and you stick a toothpick in it to see if the toothpick comes out wet or dry. If it's not dry, you close quietly, quickly the oven, and you let it get finished. Don't make hasty decisions. Don't neglect your last one. Don't neglect your spiritual growth. Sometimes when it's hard, when it's like legitimately hard, you're going through difficult times in your body, in your mind, in circumstances, on your job. And we just kind of sit back and hope that the seed that God's plant planted in us will just kind of grow and take effect and take care of us. It won't. Don't neglect your spiritual growth. 
read your Bible, come to church, fellowship. If a gardener or a planter plants a seed, they don't just leave it there and say, oh, yeah, that's cool. It'll grow. It won't. Anybody do gardening? You got to, and, and even gardening outside, you got to pull weeds. You got to give it water. You got to give it fertilizer. You got to make sure the elements are right, or you're not going to grow what you want to grow. I think God gives us these things as examples for our lives. So even if the weather is bad outside and you've got some plants on the patio or whatever, you bring them in or you cover them up. You just protect that growth until it's able to come to a place where it's the fruit or the flower or whatever it is that that seed is designed to bring. So those are things that can, I don't, Obviously, I don't know them all. Those are things that can block up or make your test go longer because you're kind of interfering with this stuff. We, I don't want to interfere with God's plans. I know I have, but I don't want to interfere with his plans. So sometimes we find ourselves in a test and a trial. We didn't even do anything. It's like, that's not right, is it? It's like, why am I here? I didn't do a thing. Joseph got accused of something he did not do. Once again, I'm going to give my own like, little personal, it's, it's not in scripture, it's just my, my, my interpretation. Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of trying to rape her. I think in that day and time, had a Hebrew man been accused of trying to rape a, a leader's woman, he would have got more than some jail time. He would have got more than, oh, I'm mad and you're going to jail. for trying to rape my wife? I personally think that something way more serious. So I don't think that he would that Potiphar believed his wife. This, like I said, is my own interpretation. You can, you know, take it or leave it. But he didn't do anything. He avoided. He ran from te the temptation part. He ran from it, and he was thrown in jail anyway. Here's what I believe that. He had a divine appointment that shaped him and moved him towards that destiny. Because no matter where he went, he still ended up at the top. He was in prison, a leader in prison, because he was a man of character that God was growing and developing. I want to be that. I want to be. Anybody want to be that? Even through the tests and trials? So here's the third point. You can pass the test. There will, God has a plan and a destiny for you, one. There's going to be a test. Good news, you can pass the test. God does not have any failing grades. Um, once again, moment of transparency. I have gotten those papers back. They have a big old fat F on them. You used to have, they used to have a stamp, where they stamped the grade on them. I've gotten them back. God doesn't have one of those stamps. You know what stamp he has? Retake. Retake. Because he never gives up on us. He never gives up on us. He has a stamp that says retake. So what I'm going to try to do, because I don't want to retake a test again, is avoid some of those pitfalls and, and cooperate with God's process. You can pass the test. There does not have to be a failing grade. There is actually never a failing grade, but let's go to the next level.
let's go from 11th to 12th and graduate, right? Number four, God will fulfill his promises. When we talk about he's a good God, he doesn't lie, he can't change. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says, God's not a man, so he does not lie. Numbers 23, 19. This is important. Write it down if you haven't. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? That's a question. It's a trick question. The answer is God has never broken a promise. The answer is that he is whatever he has spoken, it happens. So if he's spoken something to your heart ever and you haven't seen it come to pass yet, that just means you're in the middle of something. There is no one else that can stop God from fulfilling what he wants for you but you. I'm going to say that again. There's no one else who can stop God from fulfilling what he wants to do through you but you because you make the choices. There are some times when I have wished, like, God, just make me do that. I know that's the right thing, and I'm not feeling it, and I don't want to do it, and I'm just not in that place. Just God, just make He's like, nope. I've given you the ability to make the choice. Make the choice. You, you have everything in you to make it. Life, death, choose me. And I have to say, sometimes I haven't always chosen him the right way. But a whole lot more times I've chosen the right way. And God says, we take this as like a, a heavenly verse, but God will say, well done. Well done. Enter into, not heaven, enter into the next level. Because I can trust you now to help people in a better way. I can trust you now to help people in a better way. Let me leave you with this. Two things. Please write this down. Believe in God's goodness. Believe in God's goodness. And coupled with that, cooperate with God's process. Believe in his goodness. Cooperate with his process. When we're in the middle of something, that testing time, the best thing to do, because I have found myself initially complaining. Anybody complain? Come on, join me. I'm asking for hands this time. Anybody find yourself in your mind or even with your mouth or with both at the same time complaining or just grumbling about or, or the whys and the I don't get this and why is this lasting so long and, and all all of those things, all of the things. I suggest that you very quickly get to a point where you say to God, what are you trying to teach me? What can I learn? What are you showing me? What are you trying to grow in me in this thing? And lean into that. Because I guarantee you he's trying to grow you, show you, teach you, something in you in that process 
And I think the quicker we get to that point where we're asking him and allowing him, yes, giving him permission to touch those areas of our life that maybe we haven't allowed him to touch before. When we allow him into those places, when we trust his process, then there is a peace and there is a growth even while you're still in the middle of the stuff that you're in the middle of. Maybe he wants to get you to a point where you say, I don't care how I'm feeling because I've been feeling terrible. I don't care how I'm feeling, but I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to praise and worship you. At every opportunity, I will you know, turn on YouTube and, and look, listen to CC's whining song. I will, I'll speak of the goodness of God because all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so good. I'm going to sing of your goodness. I'm going to offer all of my life. And it does not matter if you do it with tears. It does not matter how you're feeling. It's not for you. It's for him. Maybe you're in a place where things have been so difficult that you want to give up. God says, don't give up. He's not done with you. I don't care what the enemy tries to tell you. He's not done with you. He's only getting started. He is just getting started. And it doesn't mean that you're not learning, helping, serving, growing at all the in-between points. There may be an ultimate that he's bringing you to, but all along the way, He's growing us. He's helping us. He's using us. He's integrating us with each other in better, better way, in better and better ways. So I say believe in God's goodness and cooperate with his process. Anybody ready to cooperate with God right where you are? Father, we thank you for um, helping us to hear your voice, for reigniting some dreams in us, Father, for letting us know that you're not done with us, that there's a plan, there's a future, there's a destiny, there's a calling, there's a hope, a confident expectation of your goodness coming. No matter what has happened, you are not done. Your dream is still growing in us. And we thank you for a reignition this morning. We thank you for how much you love us and how you never change. And we bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I get this um, from the Passion Translation Bible. I get this devotional two or three times a week. And while I was studying and doing this series, I read this, and it just really touched me because once again, I'll be transparent with you so that you don't have to tell me. <laughs> I've, I've gotten disappointed and yeah, kind of buried stuff and just said, you know what, I'm just, it's just too hard. And I read this and it started to reignite something in me. So I want to share it with you. Maybe it'll help. Do you have dreams? And uh, so the Passion Translation is, uh, most of the time, it's like, you know that it, it not, not necessarily, but it's in a voice of God talking to you and giving you encouragement in some area. So that's how the devotional is written. Do you have dreams that have been buried in the grave of disappointment? 
let me give those dreams newness of life. I will reawaken them, dust them off, and season them with fresh wisdom, creativity, and favor. I alone am a miracle-working God. When you stand in faith believing nothing is too hard for me, I meet that faith and show myself strong. It doesn't matter what things look like on the outside. Get a new understanding of my power. Man, I read that as like, God, you are awesome. You are something to encourage me like that, like sitting in, in the middle of the week in the morning just filling me up and just bursting things out on the inside of me because it's straight from your heart. So I give that to you today. I give that to you today. God's a miracle-working God. It doesn't matter where you are. He's working. He is working. So I bless you guys today. Thank you for being attentive. You're really quiet, so maybe I need to yell and scream some more like Pastor Terry. But that's not me, and I hope that you have just received um, what God had for you this morning. This afternoon now. We're into this afternoon.